I'm Don Tess, better known as the Donna Beer. And I'm M. Sonner, better known as Pints and Panels. Welcome to episode 34 of the All About Beer podcast. Every two weeks, we talk with leading experts and take a deep dive into one topic in beer. This week on the show, we're going to talk about coffee beer, the breakfast of champions. But first, visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. And if you're feeling generous, please visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. So M, yes. I know that you drink beer, but Obviously. are you also a coffee drinker? I am. So I love coffee. If I don't have coffee, it's a, it's actually my one addiction. Oh. So no, I'm serious. If I don't have coffee, yeah. I get a really terrible headache. Oh, really? Uh, so you actually yeah. have withdrawal and everything? I get withdrawal symptoms. Like I get, it's a special kind of headache in the back of my head that I'm like, ah, like even if I have the flu and it has to, it's not caffeine, it's coffee. Even oh. when I have the flu and I'm like barfing or like, sorry, that's super gross. We're starting, starting the episode on a high note. Um, <laughs> I have to have a little coffee or else. And I take my coffee, cream, no sugar. And I like, and I drink as a, as a, a New Englander, I drink iced coffee all year round. Yeah. Interesting. We cold, yeah, we drink cold brew. How do you how do you take your coffee? Down? I am. Uh, I like. I take it black, and I like it strong. I do. Uh, I do a medium size drip coffee, mm-hmm. and then I put four shots of espresso in it, and that's my coffee. Good God! With no sugar and no cream. I, I, I feel like the people who put uh, cream and sugar in their coffee are the same people who put water in their whiskey and i don't and I'm, put, I'm not having any of that yeah i don't put sugar <laughs> in my coffee we are this is a, a half and half only household so okay. i and it depends on what i'm having for breakfast that okay. is how i will take my coffee so i make a in the summer i make a smoothie and then i put coffee in it but if i'm oh, ha- in see. the winter i'll have like an english muffin i'll have a, i love like sweets with a really big coffee so like an english muffin with jam like i'll have like 20 ounces of coffee like iced coffee well we are going to learn yeah, all now you all, all know about my things. coffee yes. <laughs> and i don't like learn... coffee beers what you don't like coffee beers? no i don't like coffee. <laughs> well you're going to after this <laughs> no i know because now you're going to learn so much about it and then you're gonna go oh my god i never realized that it's and true. then you're gonna love coffee beer I hope you agree. You're right. Do you? I agree. Uh, no, I agree. I'm I'm asking for your agreement that you will like coffee beer. <laughs> uh, Partial <sorry>. credit. <laughs> uh, everybody, if you would like to help support this show, please reach out to us at podcast at allaboutbeer.com. And speaking of supporting the show, here is a word from our sponsors. Malt Europe Malting Company is based in North America, specializing in growing and producing quality malts for the craft beer and distilling industries. With local farms and malt houses spread across the United States, Canada, and Mexico, Malt Europe Malting Company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces, ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet. Visit malteuropemaltingco.com to learn how Malt Europe Malting Company can support your malting needs. Contact Malt Europe Malting Company at customer success at malteurope.com or dial 844-546-MALT for questions or to place your order. Jeff Goodnow started brewing commercially in 2007. Since then, he has brewed all over the Northeast on systems ranging, ranging from seven barrels to 200 barrels. Most notably, he was a brewer at Victory Brewing Company in Pennsylvania. His career spans from volunteering on a bottling line to becoming a cellarman, then a brewer, then head brewer, 
to Directory of Brewery Operations, and eventually building and co-owning his own brewery, Moniker Brewing in Providence, Rhode Island. Jeff also owns and operates a, a successful brewery consulting business, Good Nose Beer, which launched in 2017. Through the consulting business, Jeff has worked with countless breweries, large and small, in several states throughout the U.S. and in the Bahamas. He is currently working on his fourth full build, which will be opening soon in Rhode Island. In the fall of 2022, Jeff decided to leave Moniker to focus on building a coffee roasting business with his fiancée. Fully Stoked Coffee just launched, and through and though brand new, has been incredibly well received. Fully Stoked Coffee is a small batch coffee roastery based out of a tiny solar-powered building in northeastern Connecticut. The goal of Fully Stoked is simply to produce the best coffee they can in a way that is both ethically and environmentally sustainable. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, how's it going, friends? Uh, we are fully stoked to have you here. Oh, look what you did. <laughs> nice. Well, I am fully stoked to be here. Um. Okay, so first off, why do you think as a both beer aficionado and coffee aficionado, why do those two things go so well together? Um. Well, I mean, I guess the short answer is coffee and beer have been paired together for many, many years. And, you know, they, depending on what beer style you're making, coffee definitely adds to that flavor profile. Um, but, you know, I think it goes a lot deeper than that. I think that for the most part, you see like people who would drink craft beer typically have a little stronger palate. So, you know, craft beer goes hand in hand with good bourbon with, you know, bold, good coffees, flavorful items. Um, I don't know a lot of real craft beer drinkers who don't, who aren't foodies, you know, who don't enjoy uh, finer things in other, other platforms. Mm -hmm. So I think it really, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, it's kind of a natural progression, really. Yeah. Well, so on that natural progression for, our beer-loving audience who maybe think of coffee as a uh, commodity beverage, can you tell us a bit about, like, kind of Coffee 101, I guess, a, a, a little bit of basics of coffee type, geographic regions, and what difference geographic regions make, and how roasting affects flavor, and that sort of thing? Oh, my God. You, or is this good? Yeah. Is that, like, five hours of... Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Um I mean, there's, you can go as far down the rabbit hole with that question as you want to go. Um, so obviously, just like with beer, there's a lot of different types of coffees, a lot of different ways to roast, a lot of different flavor profiles that you'll achieve. Um, you know, I guess kind of in short, uh, there's really three umbrella terms for coffee, right? There's light roast, medium roast, dark roast. And under those umbrella terms, there's several different roast profiles. So for myself personally, here at Fully Stoked Coffee, uh, we tend to lean heavier into the dark roast, um, which that's not to say that we don't do a light roast. I have a very nice Ethiopian bean that we roast to a lighter profile. But, you know, I tend to like the denser, uh, higher pH beans, 
Um, you get much more like the chocolate flavor profiles from them. Um, you know, they're just, I, I feel like they're more well suited for being able to be brewed in so many ways. Uh, you can take a nice dark roast and you can make espresso out of it. Um, you can do a French press, you can do pour over, you can do cold brew. You know, you can obviously just do straight up drip coffee there. It's a very versatile way of, of roasting. Um, but, you know, it all comes down to the person's palate, right? So like some people prefer, like I said, I, I like that kind of bolder, more chocolatey kind of uh, roasted caramel, burnt sugar type flavor profiles. Some people really like the citrusy kind of more berry floral flavor profiles and that you would find that in a higher acidity lower ph bean which typically would end up being roasted to a lighter level and that um, would be a combination of the roasting level and the source the geographic source or yeah correct so okay. um when it comes to beans and roast levels uh so coffee beans there's a lot going on within a coffee bean right and some beans are way denser than other beans. So from like a molecular level and a cellular level, some just have a lot more density. Some have a lot more open kind of micro air space within them. The denser beans that are typically grown at higher elevations, those are the beans that can really handle higher temperatures and longer roast profiles, right? So like, for example, uh, you see a lot of Colombian dark roast. Colombian beans tend to be a bit denser than, you know, some of the more fragile beans. Um, like the Ethiopian you mentioned. Yeah, correct. Okay. So the Ethiopian beans, and they're, they're a decently versatile bean depending on the region. But for the most part, Ethiopian beans tend to be uh, a little less dense. Um, they're smaller beans. They have a little more, like I said, just kind of like negative space within the bean itself. So if you were to try to roast those to say like a French roast, typically you would end up just scorching the bean because it can't handle the internal, like the inside of the bean literally can't handle the temperatures, you know? I see. Um, I have uh, a side question actually. So is roasting coffee like when you roast malt? Is that a good comparison or is that not? It, it actually, yeah, it kind of is, you know, because when you're, when you're um, kilning malt, you are also looking at moisture levels. You're looking at, you know, the kind of, well, with malts, you're looking at the sugars and whatnot that are inside the grain. But with coffee, you also look at moisture level. You look at, you know, the profile of the bean. So the size of the bean, the density of the bean. Um, you know, and coffee roasting, there's, there's a lot of different forms, a lot of different styles of coffee roasters, but for the most part, the, the more common is, uh, like what's called a drum roaster. Um, so a drum roaster is basically a big stainless steel drum that has some sort of a heat source, typically a flame or several flames. And like, in my case, my roaster has 12 burners under it, uh, that drum is double walled. It rotates, the beans kind of spin, but there's air that runs through the drum. So there's also a level of convection that takes place within inside the drum. 
And that's very much like Kilming Mall, you know? So you're not, it's not one constant heat source sitting on the mall. It kind of, it kilns around it. it there's a lot of airflow that happens within there. So yeah, decently similar. Is it just Maillard reactions or are there enzymatic and that enzymatic reactions you're trying to do as well? There is some enzymatic stuff. Oh, there is. Okay. Oh, yeah. So there's, and it's interesting, right? So within a coffee bean, I, I always joke, right? <laughs> Coffee's like 50% science, 50% art. And I mean, I guess that kind of compares Just like to beer. beer as well. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of things that happen in a coffee bean when you roast it. Um, one of hands down the biggest question or biggest you know, conversation that I get into with people when I start talking about roasting coffee is caffeine levels. You know, there's this giant misconception for a lot of people out there that bold, dark roast coffees, like, oh, you know, it's the, that I can only have one of those. Well, actually, you can have several of those because, you know, much like a Guinness, it might be a big, bold thing, but it's, you know, Guinness has pretty low ABV. Dark roast coffee has a pretty low caffeine level. So what happens is caffeine molecules are very volatile. And the longer they're subjected to high heat temperatures, they break down and burn off. So there's a lot of molecular changes that happen inside the coffee bean as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and to a lot of people go back to espresso. Well, well, what about espresso? That's a dark roast. But if you think about what happens with a shot of espresso is you're basically taking, you know, a pot of coffee worth of coffee grinds and you're pushing, you know, four ounces or three ounces of water through it. So it's it's just so concentrated. And that's why espresso tends to have a high caffeine level is just because you're using so many grinds in such a small amount of water. But the coffee being used for that would definitely have a less, like a lower caffeine level than, say, a light roast coffee would. Okay. Um, I just, uh, I you just like increased my coffee knowledge by about magnitude of about one hundred. I'm guessing. <laughs> um, so, of all of that coffee knowledge, what what do you think beer lovers should understand about coffee to appreciate? the coffee in their beer specifically, not their morning coffee, but the coffee in their beer. So I guess going back to the changes that take place in the roasting pro process, um, pH levels tend to change as well. So a darker roast coffee, the longer it is subjected to the roast, um, your pH levels tend to rise a little bit. So again, you know, it's just kind of the combination of finding a bean that has a relatively low acidity to begin with and then roasting it to a higher roast profile. And that kind of changes your pH. Um, we want a higher pH coffee to go into beer, right? We don't want to change, because with beer, we're also looking at pH levels and you really don't want to lower that pH level in your beer. Um, so that's typically, you know, dark roast coffees will have that quality. So it's not really just, it's not only about the flavor profiles that tend to suit beers better, but also, you know, from oh, a cool. pH level. Okay. So 
uh, well, I think you may have already just answered this, but how does your background in beer translate into your new business of of coffee roasting, and how do they, how do those two things inform each other? I guess. Um, well, so within my brewing career, I've been very fortunate. First of all, I'll just say that I've I've been able to work at some amazing breweries over the years, and I've worked with some incredible people, um, people who have taught me a lot. Uh, one of the experiences that I was able to have was I brewed at Victory Brewing Company in Pennsylvania for a few years. And during my time period at Victory, all the brewers there had to work pretty close with the lab techs. And I ended up becoming very close, very good friends with one of the, the lab techs there who taught me a ton about, you know, pH levels and how it affects not just beer, but like foods and, and just beverages in general. Um, so I kind of took that. And as I went through the rest of my brewing career, I always kind of implemented pH and paid attention to that. So when I got into coffee, so I've been, a, I just started like fully stoked coffee is a new business. I started home roasting coffee about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago but I've been a coffee nerd forever. And uh, I think probably about a decade ago, you know, I started looking at coffee in a different way and I started really becoming a bit more aware about the beans that I was buying and how they were roasted or where, you know, what origins they were. Um, and with that, I was able to start doing some analysis on those beans and learning a bit more about, you know, ultimately why different roasters chose those beans for different roast profiles. And again, this was all just from a consumer standpoint, right? Um, but it was just something that I nerded out about because that's part of, I guess, who I am. And, uh, you know, as I started roasting my own beans, that everything I learned in the brewing industry about science and quality and just, you know, really paying attention to flavor profiles, aroma profiles, you know, how just how the process of everything, how one little change affects the entire thing, right? Mm -hmm. So in beer, you know, we look at in brewing beer, we're looking at like mash temperatures, how a couple of degrees in the mash ton can change a beer, right? It's going to make it either a drier beer or it'll have more body in the coffee roasting world, a couple of degrees can make the difference between a beautiful dark roast or scorched beans, or, you know, trying to achieve like a nice medium roast and all of a sudden you're in the dark roast realm. It's literally a few degrees here and there make a huge difference. So I think those things really kind of carry over and just the attention to detail that you have to have with times and temperatures that's really helped me out. Yeah. It's, and I guess it's not just temperature differences at the roasting stage, but also at the brewing stage. Yeah. You don't want boiling hot water. Correct. 200 degrees. 200 degrees. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Em, do you have any questions? I'm no, just nerding that, out here. No, so. I know. I'm letting you, <laughs> I, this is what you, when you, when you host on, I just, I just, I let you go, you know, <laughs> spread your nerdy wings and fly, <laughs> fly my son. <laughs> <laughs> um 
so uh you know most of our listeners are are beer people of course and uh of course they probably had coffee in a beer probably a coffee stout or something like that what what advice would you give our listeners the next time they're having a coffee beer for something they should be looking for in the coffee in the beer as opposed to uh, in the beer itself I mean, I guess first and foremost, I've always, when it comes to stuff like that and, you know, now especially using, I've done a couple of recent collaboration brews with a few breweries using my own beans. Um, it should always be beer first, right? That's that's going to be the huge thing is the coffee should complement the beer. It shouldn't overwhelm it. And I've definitely had a few coffee beers where it's like, whoa, you know, it's just, it's so overpowering. Um, and, you know, I'm a coffee lover, so that's, it's fine. I enjoy it, but, you know, I think brewers should never lose sight of the fact that it's, it, it's beer first, right? And the coffee should just be a beautiful accent to that. Um, and again, you know, just, figuring out what flavors work well with what beers. So, you know, if you're, if you're a brewer, for example, and you're making, uh, you know, the traditional porter or a stout or whatever, you definitely want something that has that really nice, like chocolatey, roasty flavor profile in it. Cause it's going to complement your beer very well. Um, Sometimes when you get into the lighter beers, people, I, I've talked with brewers who have made coffee IPAs and they've made coffee blonde ales and whatnot, you know, then you can start to, um, you still want to use, again, you don't want to go with a really light roast because of the pH levels, but then you can do like maybe a medium roast. Uh, you just have to really pay attention to checking your pH once you add that into the bright tank or whatever. Um, cause you don't want to, you really don't want to create an environment where it starts to realm on the side of almost like a tart flavor profile. And that, that can easily happen. Um, you know, so from, I guess from a manufacturing standpoint, paying attention to flavor profiles is something that I would really say, pay, you know, really be aware of. Um, from a consumer standpoint, everyone's palate is different, right? You know, it's it's really about what you enjoy. Uh, if you like that super overbearing coffee beer that just tastes like straight coffee, fantastic. You know, that <laughs> then that's the beer for you. Um, but like I said, for me personally, when I try to, when I look for coffee beers, I want it to be a, a beautiful accent, not to overpower the beer. So... Like on that note, I, I guess I'm most familiar with coffee in, in a stout or a porter. Certainly I've had coffee IPAs and blondes as well, but I think that's kind of the most common use of, of coffee. And I think that um, the, the base stout very often has very similar flavors to coffee. So do you have yes. any advice on how as a drinker, when I'm tasting, say, a little bit of roasty bitterness, how would I know that that's what, how would I know if it's coming from the beer or coming from the coffee? Or maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm not sure there is a way to tell. Okay. You know, again, like I said, everyone's palate is different. So some people are going to be way more susceptible to different flavor profiles. Um, 
you know, once there might be people out there who can decipher, oh, that, that flavor right there, that's coming from the malt. This flavor is coming from coffee, but truthfully, you know, other than the fact that you're going to get the coffee aroma, even with a small amount of coffee, you should be picking up some nice coffee aromas from it. Um, and again, the, the flavor should be present, not overpowering, but it, it should definitely be present. And a lot of times where I see it is on the tail, right? So it's, mm. it's actually after, like after swallowing, I get that a little bit of like coffee flavor kind of coating the tongue. So. Mm. Interesting. Um, do you have any advice for brewers, either professional or home brewers about how to use coffee in the brew house? You know, sometimes they use whole beans. Sometimes they use ground coffee. Sometimes they just add brewed coffee to the beer. How should they do it and where should it be added in a brew? Yeah. So, I mean, the obvious thing that immediately jumps out is, you know, really pay attention to aeration right? Because ah. you're using something, obviously you're introducing a product that's 98% water. So you want to make sure that you de-aerate de whatever you're doing, right? So in, in my, personally, in my opinion, I think extraction rate plays a big role as well. I've talked with people who have used whole bean, gone just like straight into whatever with whole bean, uh, I prefer to do a very coarse grind, whatever the coarsest grind you can achieve, but definitely grind the beans just for that extraction. Um, you know, you're, you're not, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice if you're with, with whole bean, there's an awful lot of coffee inside that bean that's never being touched, never being exposed to the water and never being extracted. So you're kind of wasting your money with that. But you know, what the, the method that I've used, um, and uh, I, I credit my old friend Todd Mott for this one. Uh, I was, again, like I said, I've been fortunate to work with and learn from a lot of great people. And the Todd father taught me years ago, best way to introduce coffee to a beer is real coarse grind, go into like cheesecloth bags, do an overnight cold brew and then put that into a vessel like a yeast brink or something where you can de-aerate it. If you have the opportunity to use nitrogen, nitrogen's a lot gentler on the coffee than CO2 is, but you need to de-aerate it. You need to get all that oxygen out of there and then push that into your bright tank, recircuit in the bright, then carbonate. You know, that's a pretty tried and true method. It seems to work very well. I've made several beers with that method. You get huge flavor, huge aroma. And, you know, most importantly, you don't have to worry about adding oxygen to your beer. Cool. Awesome. I like how technical yeah. adding coffee is because you, I, most people are like, oh, I just dump it in. Of, yeah, I never even thought and of it's the like, oxygen. No, you have to follow so many steps. Yeah. Like yeah. Because pH matching pH and pH. Geez. Yeah. Science. Science. Yeah. See? Uh, art. <laughs> um, so I have uh, one last question for you. Um, do you have a favorite coffee 
like uh either like the way that it's put in or like the like a, a grind or what i'm trying to say um like a, a range for like colombian or ethiopian that you think tastes best in beer so like if i saw a brewer a local brewery was brewing with i don't know whatever you say i should be like oh there we go now they know what they're doing yeah i would say any denser bean so typically the origins would be like I mean, like I said, Colombian is a really common bean for dark roast, but um, Mexican, Guatemalan, some Costa Rican beans, Peruvian beans. Um, so look Nicaraguan for Latin, beans. Latin America is where it's at. For yeah. yeah. Ah, sure. High elevation. That was what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. You know, and, okay. and uh, I mean, in a lot of those places, soil comes into play. You know, and that that's where you see a lot of the pH levels as well or acidity levels. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, really the I guess the standouts would be like a Guatemalan, Colombian, Mexican, um, yeah, some Costa Rican. So okay. And it sounds like mostly you would prefer dark roast on those. Yes, correct. Because of the pH. Perfect. See, yep. I learned. Look at that. Look at you, Don. <laughs> Proud of you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff, thank you uh, for educating us on all things coffee and as it relates to beer. Um, how can people uh, find about find out about you and about your coffee company, social media, website, all that sort of stuff? Okay. Well, I mean, I guess that's a, a two-sided question. Um, because again, you know, I, it, it's funny, right? Like most of my time is consumed with coffee roasting these days, but I still consider myself more of a brewer than a coffee roaster. I don't know. I, I have almost two decades in the brewing industry and that's just kind of, it's where all my friends are, you know? So, <laughs> uh, I currently, I own and operate a brewery consulting company called Good Nose Beer, um so you can find me either through goodnosebeer.com or whatnot uh and then like i said my new the new baby my fiance and i started fully stoked coffee um again tiny little coffee roasting company uh where we're really so we're both kind of earth crunchy type people um built out sweet little roastery. It's all solar powered. It's all green insulated. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty rad little setup. Uh, that business is just launching and that is fully stoked coffee.com or all, all the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. All that. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, Jeff. Well, best of luck in your new coffee roasting journey. And I look forward to having a cup of it in the future. And now a quick break for a word from our sponsors. All About Beer is back. And we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com, where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. 
Malt Europe Malting Company is based in North America, specializing in growing and producing quality malts for the craft beer and distilling industries. With local farms and malt houses spread across the United States, Canada, and Mexico, Malt Europe Malting Company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces, ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet. Visit MaltEuropeMaltingCo.com to learn how Malt Europe Malting Company can support your malting needs. Contact Malt Europe Malting Company at customer success at MaltEurope.com or dial 844-546-MALT for questions or to place your order. Jordan Schubach was hired by Epic Brewing Company while he was attending the Master Brewers Program at UC Davis in 2012. His current role is Director of Brewing Operations. Epic makes a range of styles, but they are most known for Big Bad Baptist, a barrel-aged imperial stout with coffee and cacao. Jordan has been managing Epic's barrel-aging program since 2017. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Thank you. Happy to be here. So um, you are, of course, famous for your Big Bad Baptist coffee beer. Um, how do you think about the base beer when you are brewing with coffee? So the base beer, I mean, we kind of just tackle it first as just the the barrel aged stout. Uh, so we know like we want it to hold up in the wood in the aging process. So like we make it high ABV, we do tend to use a lot more like roasty malts than I would if it wasn't going to get barrel aged um, just because those I feel like tend to kind of change and oxidize in the barrel. And so like the stout on its own might not be like it's just better aged. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah. And and we just think it goes well, like coffee really adds to it. It's really good on its own. And then coffee kind of makes Baptist what it is. And I, I do think it, it kind of just takes it to another level. Okay. Um, I know that you made like, I, I might be thinking of son of a Baptist, but you made a series <laughs> of coffee beers with different types of coffee. So uh, like, how do you find that those different coffees present differently in beer and then do you have to tweak the base beer to accommodate that yeah no that that project was really fun so we make we still make son of a baptist which is the non-barrel aged version so it's a toned down toned down abv um a slightly different hop profile um or mostly just less hops. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, the, the year there was one year where we used like a, somebody, a roaster from every state that we distribute the beer in. Oh my God. <laughs> and yeah, it was crazy. It was a lot of work, but it was really fun. Um, but that one, that one that we really just, we kept the base the same because we really wanted to see what it would be like, like, you know, you can really taste a difference in the coffees. Oh, I see. Same base beer. And obviously like operationally, that's just easier, but no. So we, we kept the, the recipe the same. The base beer was really just the same, same batches even, and just split off and processed with different coffees. Okay. Uh, 
we had the different roasters send us like four different samples that they think would work well with the with a with a stout and then we chose our favorite one oh i see so rather than matching the beer to the coffee you were matching the coffee to the beer yeah exactly Hmm. i see interesting very cool um how do you how do you use the coffee in the brewing then and i'm I'm thinking like, you know, mash temperature is probably not hot enough to extract coffee, but the boil is too hot for coffee. So where do you add the coffee and how do you do it? Yeah, I don't know if I've talked to anybody who adds it on the hot side. I feel like that would be really tricky to pull off without pulling. It's really easy to pull, pull like some pretty nasty tannins out of coffee beans. Um, you'd have to be almost treat it like you're brewing coffee, like really fast, like get it off of the beans pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, most people that I've talked to who also do coffee beers, we all do it like cold side. And so some, some people do make like a cold brew and then add that. Um, we add, we add the beans directly to the tank, similar to a dry hop. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we, um, you know, some people put it in bags to make it easier, like the cleanup easier, but we do, we do like a, a very coarse grind. It's almost like bigger than a, like a, a French press grind. Um, and then we just put it directly into the dry hop port. Um, oh. and and then we recirc the beer uh, with a pump for, you know, a certain amount of time. You know, it's like 30 minutes or so. Oh, that and, all. Okay. Yeah. But then we leave the coffee on the, in the beer for a couple of days. So it gets the recirc, then it sits because you also want it. And then we allowed it to settle out because then the, the beans will, the, will settle out to the bottom of the cone. And then... To get it, once we're done transferring the beer to get all those beans out, we just like basically pull the elbow off of at the bottom of the tank when there's still like a couple PSI left in the tank and the pressure just kind of like pushes the beans out. And we have like a, a sieve on casters that we put under the tank and it catches all the beans. Okay. I don't you... think of yeah. I don't think of anyone. I've heard of anyone do. I don't know. Is that common? I always just think of like it as in a bag or cold. Yeah, I've never. Most like... most people use the bags. Yeah. Why? I why don't? It, yeah. Why don't you use the bags? I find it hard. I find it just like more of a pain to be honest. Like oh. you have to like string them up and tie them off, and then you've kind of have this heavy bag. Honestly, from like a, um if you're being like strict about OSHA rules, it's like OSHA rules get really weird about breaking the plane of like a fermenter. And even though like most brewers, like we usually have to do it some way or the other, like fishing bags out of a fermenter is just like. You're asking for it. From a technical could be. Stand, from an OSHA technical standpoint is like, you're most likely going to be breaking some OSHA rules. Oh. And, and you you know, like anytime you're breaking a plane, you just have to think about it more. Our method, I feel like we get better extraction 
the other problem with the bag is you have to think about how full the bag is. So if you overfill a bag, there's going to be beans at the like in the middle of that bag. That's not going to get a lot of contact with the beer. Right. And our method, it's like, we know every bit of coffee is getting contact with beer. So yeah. How, how much coffee do you use in a batch? Um, are we, we're using like depending on on the baptist variants and stuff um it's like around a pound per barrel oh okay hmm. yeah that's not too bad not too much but yeah um i'm just wondering and i apologize because as m likes to tease me about i'm super nerdy so oh my gosh she's I, so nerdy I, i'm gonna ask you a super nerdy question here do you think like um, lately, particularly with hops, people are talking about, um, um, you know, biotransformations and all that. Yeah. When you put coffee in, in the beer, is it really just extracting the coffee flavor from the coffee? Or do you think that there is anything in beer? Is the yeast uh, acting on anything or anything like that? Or is it just the flavor of the coffee? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I think with, I think with the barrel aged coffee, the like likelihood is probably no, just because there's probably not a whole lot of activity in that beer because one, like we, we filter the beer before it goes into the barrels. So pretty much the yeast is off of it already. And then along with that, it's like, it's high ABV, like it's a, you know, normal sack strain it's not going to be super active at the you know like it's going to be kind of struggling in the solution at that high abv and and then it's get and then it gets barrel aged so it picks up more it's going into like a you know wood vat that's full of whiskey so it usually picks up a point or two abv in the barrel right and and then just like age so it's just not super active by the time it comes out of the barrel and then we add coffee on big bad baptist yeah it's just like now on son of a baptist we do process that one you know we pull the yeast off of it off of the cone it doesn't go it doesn't get filtered we just put put the coffee in that's how we (laughs) so there's possibly like yeast activity in that beer but at the same time like it's not in there for a long time and then it gets filtered before it gets packaged. So then, yeah. So now that I've really like thought that through in our beers, probably not. But I think I mean, in theory it could, because yeast, yeast is like pretty amazing. Like they, right? Like the microbes, <laughs> like what I've learned and I've always been impressed by is like they, they're like, it's not just like magical uh flavor compounds for us right it's like all like pathways for energy and then like we're smelling whatever the byproducts are um and they're amazing like they just turn anything that has carbon or like some kind of bond where there can be energy released from like they're gonna like make an enzyme to like break the bond and get energy out of it and so i would say like yeah you if you give yeast like a long enough time with coffee, they're probably going to utilize it in some way. 
you mentioned like for the son of the Baptist, you were getting different samples from one. It's like, like you're, you're tasting the beer before you put it. You're, sorry. You're tasting the coffee before you put it in the beer. So is there an example where you, you chose a coffee, then you made the son of a Baptist. And then when you tasted the finished son of the Baptist, the coffee presented entirely differently than you were expecting. Um, I'll take that as a no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like I wouldn't say like entirely differently, but it is, it's surprising. It surprised me sometimes like which coffees I liked in a Baptist, oh, okay. you know, like I didn't expect to like the, you know, super light fruity roasts in a, in a Baptist, but I do a lot, you know, like, the lighter roast where you where they really kind of show the the character of the bean the origin um where it's like you know like the coffee that's super blueberry for example mm-hmm. that coffee is really good in baptist where i would have expected a more like heavier roast just to kind of match the malts that we're using and match the beer a little bit more i would have expected that those would have been better right cool yeah. um in addition to the the coffee and the coffee flavor that you extract when you make the beers, is there anything else that you have to think about when brewing with coffee? Like do the oils affect foam stability or anything like that? Yeah, I think so. One flavor that can be challenging with coffee is like a green pepper. Okay. I wanted to ask you about the green pepper. So good. Thank there you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the nerd yeah. now, Em? Oh, I love pyrazine. You don't like pyrazine? Uh, Sorry. Pyrazine, and it's right? tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, that's a tricky one. And sometimes, like, like we, I still will get it from batch to batch on a SOB. Like, not everyone hates it. So, it's, like, it's kind of a, just a tough one to deal with as, like, when you're working with coffee. But I think, like, knowing that whoever roasts it is, like, letting it degas and like you actually like letting it like the coffee like not using the freshest roast coffee i find helps a little bit like there's kind of a fine line where you don't want the coffee to be totally oxidized but if you use it like right away like fresh off the roast it tends to be a little bit more green peppery oh interesting Hmm. that's super interesting yeah you want to like let it wait a little kind of kind of like any beer ingredient you know like malt has to rest yeah certain hops if you burn yeah hop hop burn burn goes away stuff like that so yeah Yeah. coffee is just a look at that don coffee is just another piece of the puzzle (laughs) i love it um (laughs) what do you hope beer lovers will appreciate about how you make your coffee beers. Like I think a lot of people just think, oh, you just dump some coffee in a beer, like big deal. But uh, obviously, as we have learned, you put a lot of thought into how you do it. And so what do you hope people will take away? I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like enjoying the beer. Like I hope people like the beer. Um, I think, yeah, for those who like nerd out more on like the process wise, I think, we've been making them for, for a really long time. And I think we've kind of just found a process that, that kind of works for us. And so I guess 
I don't know, appreciating the like the hard work that the brewers do for the barrel aging process and um, using, you know what, using like a, a good like local roaster too is like, I, it's something that I, I like that we do and it's, it's fun working with the, with a local roaster, but obviously there's like some positive, like local synergistic, you know, businesses helping local businesses about that. So there's, yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It's nice to see when local breweries pair with local, because then you also learn about local roasters in your area that you may have not known about. And then you're like, Oh, I got to stop by and check them out. So it's, yeah, Yeah. it's a dual promotion. I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, like the, I was at a concert when I still lived in Salt Lake City, uh, and I was wearing a Big Bad Baptist shirt, and a guy was just like, "Oh, Big Bad Baptist, that's like I love that beer." And we got to chatting, and he owns a uh, road uh, like a coffee shop that roasts their own coffee in a part of town that I didn't really go to, so I'd never heard of it. But he just roasted two hundred and fifty pounds of coffee for me that we're going to use on this year's Baptist. Nice. Oh, nice. I love yeah. that. That's very cool. I love that too. Organic, uh, uh, cooperation there too. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. That's uh, King's Peak, by the way. In King's Salt Lake. Peak. Okay, yeah. cool. So for all you Salt Lake people, King's Peak mm-hmm. and, uh, and I uh, go to Epic, obviously. Um, so people, I, I, I do this and I don't know if I should, um, if I'm, um, if I have a coffee Imperial stout, should I cellar it or should I drink it fresh and why? Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, with Baptist, I think it's cool to cellar them. I'm a, oh. I'm a, I'm on the like cellar fan. Like generally you, you have to know like you're rolling the dice, right? If you cellar any beer, even a stout, I think, cause like, it could ox it you just don't know how much oxygen made it into the package when you when you packaged it you never really know but in general like it's kind of nice like even though we're talking about coffee in beers like it's kind of nice when the coffee flavors like just mellow out a little bit and they're still there but they're not like when you when you first make baptist it's just like it's very coffee forward and when you let it kind of mellow out like the barrels barrel character character comes through a little bit and it just like it's just a little bit more balanced in my opinion so like even just like six months you know it doesn't have to be a super long time but then i've had some from the seller you know like we've we've got a seller at epic obviously sometimes we'll crack some open but we've had like some of the like ogs and they're like they're good sometimes hmm. sometimes really bad but sometimes <laughs> but no green pepper anymore yeah yeah less green pepper for sure <laughs> awesome uh well thank you jordan uh if people want to uh keep up to date with what you're doing or what epic is doing uh can you share your social media handles and website and that sort of stuff uh yeah i mean epicbrewing.com uh, and then I think it's, I think our, the most active one is Epic Brewing. Instagram is Epic Brewing SLC, I think. 
Here, let me okay. double, let me let me check that maybe. That's also being Salt Lake City, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so we used to have Denver. That's true. Denver's, yeah. clo Denver's yeah. closed now, but right. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, Epic Brewing SLC is pretty is I think our most active social. And awesome. Yeah, we've got somebody working for us now, Claire. She's been like doing a lot of like more graphics and social media for us and she's doing a good job. I've really liked liked having her on board. So, cool. so we should all go on there and shout out to Claire. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Claire. Thanks, Claire. <laughs> awesome. Uh thank you, Jordan. Yeah, thank you so much, Jordan. It was really fascinating. And um I'd love yeah, I'm gonna have a coffee stout now. Uh, yeah, you should, and you, and and then also age one and have it. In and six age months. one, I've got some age coffee stouts. Believe me. So now okay. I'm curious <laughs> to try them and see how they're doing. So awesome, cool. awesome. Cheers, Jordan. Thank you. Cheers. Jordan. Thanks. So, M, uh, at the beginning, we you agreed that you would like coffee beers from now on. Are you going true. to uphold your agreement? I will, okay. because they're fascinating. <laughs> I've learned so much. It's the caffeine, and I know that we actually, we didn't talk about the caffeine levels, um, but now I have know so much from pH, the pH way that it's made, it's not just, I mean, it can be just putting grinds in, but then if you are, like Epic does, you have to recirculate them and let them sit, you let it sit, like settle like yeast does, like there's so many different things that go into making a coffee beer, and then roasting as well with its relation to like drum roasting with malt, like it was Density oh, of beans and dense bean density, like what? <laughs> and green and when to use the beans, the yeah. age of the beans matters too. Come on now. All right, I'm you a never. all right. I I I. It's a whole new thing to appreciate, right? Yes, I appreciate. I'm gonna. I appreciate coffee beers now. Thank you. That's all. You're I welcome. Ask. You're welcome. Everybody, please visit olivebeer.com and follow us on social media at olivebeer. And visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. If you have questions for the experts, please email us at podcast at allaboutbeer.com. That's also the email for feedback, suggestions, or to inquire about supporting this show through advertising. M, how can people reach out to you? I am at Pints and Panels across all social media, and my website is pintsandpanels.com. How about you, Don? Uh, I am at the Dawn of Beer on Twitter, threads, and Instagram. And people can drop me an email at dawn at the dawn of beer .com. Here's a word from our sponsor. Malt Europe Malting Company is based in North America, specializing in growing and producing quality malts for the craft beer and distilling industries. With local farms and malt houses spread across the United States, Canada, and Mexico, Malt Europe Malting Company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces, ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet. Visit malteuropemaltingco.com to learn how Malt Europe Malting Company can support your malting needs. Contact Malt Europe Malting Company at customer success at malteurope.com or dial 844-546-MALT for questions or to place your order. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. I like coffee beer now. Who knew? <laughs>